Morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, I don't know about you, Christmas feels like it was ages ago. Just walked back into the office this morning, had a lovely time off, and I saw the big orange costume that I used for the Chris Dingle, and it just feels like weeks ago. Uh, but I just pray uh, and hope for you all that it's been a really restorative, joyful time at Christmas. Uh, wasn't it great to come here to have our Christmas services? It's great to spend my first Christmas at Central. Uh, it was great to see, see so many guests, wasn't it? Uh, we had the big joy letters. It was great to see so much joy. Um, Andrew was an absolute revelation on the trombone. I didn't know he could play trombone. Praise the Lord. Uh, <laughs> we just had a great carriage by candlelight service. And I, was, I said to Tim, I was like, we can do a traditional service. And people like Andrew stepped up. So praise the Lord for Andrew and for what the Lord was up to over Christmas time. Uh, we're going to begin a new sermon series today. And it's called An Attentive Life. We're beginning with this passage um, about Mary and Martha, I'm sure it'll be familiar to you. But for six weeks, we're going to ask, what does it mean to become the kind of person who is attentive to the voice of God? The kind of person who can listen, tune in, who is aware of God's presence, his activity, his word in our lives. So we're going to consider today our everyday life. We're going to look next week at our prayer life. We'll consider Jesus' prayer life. That's a fascinating topic, I think. We'll think about what's God's will for our money and our giving. We'll think about how we relate to the Bible and how we operate with spiritual gifts that God gives us. So today, as I said, we're going to consider this famous story of Mary and Martha. And it's a simple story, isn't it? Uh, the, The reading was over before we knew it. But it's a really memorable one. And I think God's got a really clear message for us as a church as we head into 2024. So let's pray, shall we? Let's pray together. Lord, we do love your word and we love that you speak to us. Thank you that you draw near to us. And I pray today that you would speak to us and you'd even do that through me, Lord. We wanna be led by you. Help us hear today what you have to say to us. Amen. Amen. So this sermon series that we're going to do is thematic, meaning uh, we aren't going to study, and we'll do this together as a church, we're not going to study a book or a series of passages together, but we're going to go through um, to pick out different things. Um, We are diving here, therefore, into Luke's gospel. So let's just remind ourselves, what happens in Luke 10? Well, in Luke 10, we get Jesus sending out the 72. Jesus gathers together people who are going to go out on mission for him. And then, if you remember, he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Do you remember that story? Do you remember the parable that Jesus tells? Then we get this little passage, these four verses of Mary and Martha, and then we get the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer next week, but we're going to do it from Matthew's account of it. But I think it's worth just going over our story together like this, just really verse by verse. So let's look at verse 38 again, and it's gonna come up on the screen, but I wanna encourage you, there's a Bible next to you, or you can use your phone. If you are using your phone, and this is very pertinent to what I'm talking about, why don't you turn off the notifications? Because you can therefore pretend that you're reading the Bible, but you're actually looking at Twitter or something. So let's read verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. We're reading accounts of Jesus' ministry, and I'm impressed here by Luke's brevity, as in he doesn't tell us much, but we just get a picture of instantly what's happening. Jesus and his disciples are doing what Jesus and the disciples did, traveling about, sharing the message, healing the sick, 
proclaiming the kingdom. And as they're on their way, they come to a new place. Now, Jesus has just spoken about being a person of peace. He sent out the 72 and he said, when you go, look for the people of peace who are gonna receive you. And if you like, he finds a person of peace here in Martha. What does she do? She opens her home to him. She welcomes him in. And then let's look what happens in verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So Martha is engaging with the kind of hospitality culture of the day, isn't she? Opening her home. I imagine that opening her home means preparing some food, getting the place ready. Come in, come in, please take a seat. What do you do when you open your home to someone? Cup of tea, probably. Do you want a cup of tea? That's what I like to do. I like a coffee myself, but I like such a fancy coffee that it's normally not worth bothering with instant. Cup of tea's fine. If everyone makes for me, just a bit of milk, no sugar. Thank you very much. She opened her home to him. And then there's Mary. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. So you've got Martha engaging the hospitality culture of the day, and then you've got Mary sat at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And her posture here is of one sitting at the feet of a rabbi, listening to what they have to say. So well as there's a culture of um, hospitality here, there's a culture of teaching. Rabbis were Jewish teachers. They would talk and their students, and they would have a few that follow them, would sit at their feet and listen to them. And this is a sermon for another time, but it's really significant that a woman was sat at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he had to say. Women weren't allowed to, be, to learn in those days. And yet here was Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And it's also interesting to note here, again, this is a sermon for another time. A woman in the Gospels is told, if you like, to get back to the kitchen. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Her place is at my feet. So there's Martha welcoming Jesus in. There's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Let's look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, obviously, we have verse numbers, don't we? So we split these up, and I've just read verse 39 and 40 separately, but I think we should probably read them together. So verse 39, Mary, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Because the contrast is drawn between the two, isn't it? So you've got Martha serving, busy, and you've got Mary sitting. I don't know what she was distracted with, but when I read this, this really just reads like a true story to me. Um, look at what happens to Martha. She is annoyed at her sister. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Don't you care? Tell her to help me. This is a true story because this is how siblings talk, isn't it? This is unfair. Look, sitting, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there. Here I am, busy, just slaving away. Tell her to help me. This sounds to me like little children appealing to like the teacher or to a parent. It's not fair. You tell her. Come and help me. That's what she's doing. It's a true story. This is what siblings are like, as I look at two siblings, two sisters over there. This is what my brother and I used to be like. Martha, following the hospitality today, serving, busy, I don't know what she was doing. I imagine this is a one-room house. 
That's what houses are like in those days. So if you welcome people in, the chances are, if you're getting things ready, it's not like they're in the other room, but you might be all in one room together. So they're all sat down. And I wonder if Martha could hear snatches of what Jesus was saying, and yet she's thinking about, goodness me, where did I leave the salt and pepper? And when, though we need the good placemats, because Jesus is here, and he's quite important. And she can just hear Jesus talking. And so she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me alone? Tell her to help me. Let's look at verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. It's interesting that Luke uses the word Lord here. He uses the word Lord more than any other gospel writer. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus answers her in love. She's come to him, Lord, don't you care? Tell my sister to help me. But look, he says, Martha, Martha. And it's like he says, I can see you're upset. I can see you're worried. I hear you. You know, I'm validating your feelings. But look, your sister's made a better choice than you have, actually. There's actually only one thing that matters, Jesus says to Martha. Mary's chosen it in this moment. And that thing is not going to be taken away from her. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus the teacher, listening to what he says. I don't know what Jesus was saying here. It's interesting to think, isn't he? Was he doing a version of the Sermon on the Mount? Maybe he was telling Mary about the Good Samaritan. He just told that story. I imagine Jesus would preach the same kind of message again as the Spirit led him. And he says, Mary, sitting at my feet and listening to me, that's the good thing. The older translations will say, she's chosen the better portion, the good portion. And that, that's the story. That's Mary and Martha, four verses, bishwash bosh, done. And I think it's memorable, this story, because it's short and because it has quite a clear point, doesn't it? Mary's chosen the better thing, so as Christians, we should choose the better thing. When I've heard this preached on before, that's what I've heard, and I think it's good. Serving others is an important virtue, isn't it, in the Christian life? Serving others is good, but listening to God's word is actually more important for us. Now, if you like, we could, we could end the sermon there, couldn't we? And we could say, right, thank you, Jesus. You've spoken to us. We need to listen to you. That means we never need to help in church ever again. You don't need our help. What we need to do is just listen to you, Lord. We're just going to pray all the time. No, it doesn't say that. And it's good to think about here what God not just uh, commands us to do, but the way he speaks into our lives. And there will be preachers up and down the country, I reckon, today, who are going to talk about this. It's New Year's, isn't it? So preachers, I reckon, up and down England are going to talk about New Year's resolutions. And I don't want to let you down, so I'm going to do the same thing. So let's just look, consider just for a second, what are the top resolutions this year for people in Britain? And Forbes has done some research and they're going to come up here. Hopefully you can see them. So 40% of everyone who answered this survey said that they're going to exercise more. 35%, I put myself in this category, they say they're going to lose weight. 33% improve their diet. 31% financial goals. 24% they're going to reduce stress. 22% they're going to enhance emotional well-being. Uh, 20% 20 make time for hobbies. 18% improve relationships and so on and so on. I wonder what's on your list.
exercise more, eat less, be a better person, you know, generally just get yourself together. So perhaps what we could do, and we could add, you know, what is Central's most popular resolution for 2024? And maybe we could listen to this passage and we can see the example of Mary and Martha and on our list right at the top, we can say, I'm going to choose to do what Mary did. I'm going to choose to not be distracted, but I'm going to listen to the voice of God. I'm going to choose the better thing. And let me tell you, that would be a great resolution. As you think about your coming year, are you thinking about, I'm sure you are, because I do it every year, are you thinking about your prayer life? Are you thinking about your quiet times? Are you thinking about your Bible study? If you haven't chosen a, a Bible reading plan for the year, I'd really encourage you to do that. There is a Bible reading plan I came across recently called The Shred, which is trying to read the whole Bible in 30 days. I'm not attempting it, but if any of you'd like to, I'll give you the link. It'd be good to think, wouldn't it? Okay, I'm gonna choose this time this year to read the Bible. I'm gonna choose this year to listen to God. And yet, here's the thing. I think we are perpetually in danger of being like Martha, aren't we? God wants to speak to us he calls us to be attentive to him. And even if we put it right at the top of the resolution list, I'm going to listen to God this year, something gets in the way. Let's look at verse 40, shall we? Luke names Mary's condition here. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She is distracted. Martha's distracted. And the Greek word here for distraction is perispeo, which I'm, I know you all know what that means, but let me just remind people like me who don't. Perispeo means to be pulled apart and dragged away. That's the kind of root of that word, perispeo. She's distracted, she's pulled apart, and she's like she's dragged away from Jesus. And the implication is it's like she wants to listen to Jesus, but there's too much going on for her to do that. And the things that she's concerned with are dragging her away from the voice of God in this moment. And we are perpetually in danger of being in the same place. All of us can get to a place where even if we want to listen to God, we can be pulled away, distracted from his voice, from his presence in our lives. I think about the Christmas party that we had. It was great just before Christmas to invite uh, you all, and we'll do it again next year, and I'll give you much more time next year so you can all put it in your diaries and come to my house for the central Christmas party. But it was great to have the Christmas party. And I just, I'm just sort of imagining this scene with Mary and Martha, a bit like that Christmas party, where imagine if we all come and I don't talk to any of you because I am washing up, cooking, doing the hot dogs, and when you do talk to me, you can actually see that I'm not really listening to you because I'm thinking, goodness me, we're going to have to get more mulled wine and the, the mulled cider isn't really going there. I guess that's a bit, bit like, like what happened with Martha here. Jesus is there. He's the guest of honour. And it, this story is a bit like saying, we have our Christmas party, okay, and Jesus himself shows up. Now, that would be a great Christmas party, wouldn't it? That would make some headlines. Jesus shows up, and yet instead of me listening to him and attending to him, the guest of honor, I'm just busy. Oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah, I'll come back to you in a second. Hang on, Jesus, no, no, I'm, I'll, yeah, hang on. 
She's truly got something good to say there. I've just got to attend to the sausages. That's like our lives. Pulled apart and dragged away from the guest of honour. When you put on a party, the point of the party is not just to make the food, I think. It's to enjoy it with other people. And it's true of our Christian lives as well. It's, it's not just about being busy doing stuff for God, but spending time with him, isn't it? And yet we're in danger of being distracted. Let me give you a quote from a chap called Rollheiser. And he's writing this in the 90s. He said, today, a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring to produce a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or pray, but simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It's not that we have anything against God, depth and spirit. We would like these. It's just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theatre, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fancy life they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. And when he wrote that, the iPhone hadn't been invented, which is why he says the shopping mall and the sports stadium. I think I quote this just to to make the point because I think he puts it really well. The danger is we're distracted from God. We have a shallow version of a walk with him. Not because we're sinning all the time. We're just not in the right headspace. We're thinking about the sausages, you know, rather than Jesus. Our attention is elsewhere. Let me give you another quote. This is from John Altborg. He wrote an amazing book called The Celebration of Discipline. If you haven't read The Celebration of Discipline, you can put it right at the top for 2024. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It's that we'll become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. And I think that's true. When you look at Martha, I think this is what happens to her. See, Martha calls Jesus Lord. She calls him Lord. She recognises who he is. The point of calling Jesus his Lord doesn't just say that he's divine, but actually he's been given authority by the Father. You know, he's sent from God. He's ruling over everything. It's this term of respect for God. She calls him Lord, but she's distracted from him. And that could be true of us as well. We know who God is. We want to honour him with our lives. When we become a Christian, we receive forgiveness. We receive a righteousness that's not of our own. We receive new life. We receive uh, uh, being born again by the Holy Spirit. We, you know, we, we receive all that God has for us and we spend our whole time not tuned into the one who died to give us the thing that we most need. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She's getting the food in the house ready, as we've said. And once again, it's worth paying attention to the Greek word here for preparations and work. And I know you all will know this, but just for me, 
The Greek word here is diakonian, diakonian, and this is the Greek word for service and ministry. So when it says Martha was distracted by the preparations and all the work, that is this word for service and ministry. So for example, in Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And that word serve is this word, diakonian. It's where we get the word deacon, which is a ministry in the church. It's not just a sort of getting on with busyness, but it is a Christian serving word. It's like the word for it. So what you have in this story is not Mary who's really serving God. I think we see that there are two people trying to serve. You've got Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus, who's listening to him, who's choosing the right thing. And then you've got Martha, who Jesus says, who Luke uh, points out to us, is also serving God. Which can tell us that you can be trying to do the right thing, you can be trying to follow God, and yet you can be distracted. In fact, you can be distracted by, you can be distracted by doing good things. Because I don't think the danger for us is really that we will um, be distracted by uh, laying on parties all the time. But I do think things like money would distract us. Getting it, do I have enough of it? What I'm gonna do with it when I have it? Have you ever fantasized about what you'd do if you won the lottery? I have. I've spent time thinking about what would I do if I got millions of pounds? And let me tell you, I've got some great plans for my money, okay? I'd spend it really well. The Lord could trust me with millions, I think. <laughs> money distracts us. Our schedules, or is it schedules? I don't know. They distract us. Just the, the normal everyday like diary, boom, 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 I've got this and then this, and I'm seeing this person and then later we're doing this as a family or whatever it is. Money distractors, our schedules distractors. Relationships can pull us away from God, can't they? And this is what I mean about that thing of like, even something good can distract you from the Lord. Parents, kids, potential relationships, what's to come, looking after parents when they get to a certain age, maybe looking after kids, health concerns in relationships, all of it. I wonder if you could think about your own life, what might be distracting you in terms of relationships. Here's the big one, I think, here's the big one for me. Your device, the TV, your iPad, your phone. I did have a look at what my screen time is as an illustration for this sermon, and then I was so embarrassed by it that I decided not to tell you what my screen time was. <laughs> The average person in America, I couldn't find the stat for the UK, but the average person in America checks their phone 300 times a day. It changes our psychology. So let's say Jan and I, we're sat at a table, we're having a nice discussion, but my phone is on the table, even if it's face down, apparently that is enough to distract me from the conversation that I'm having with Jan. Because my phone is, you know, I'm attuned to the fact that my phone could go off at any time. You know what I do think is a work of the enemy? WhatsApp groups. WhatsApp groups are the worst thing in the world, okay? I used to get text messages from individual people with messages just for me. And now I can be a member of hundreds of things that have nothing to do with my life. Let's have a look what's here right now. Yeah, 
It's not central prayer, that would be great, wouldn't it? Central prayer is our WhatsApp group for prayer in the church. Unfortunately, all I've got right now on my phone are golf groups. Okay? I don't need to know about the tea times that people are booking outside of London, okay? But if I want to be distracted by that, I could be. And I'm laboring the point, but I hope you can see it. We are, all of us, and not just Christians, but in modern life, able to be perpetually distracted. And we can live such a shallow life. Research has been done and it shows that um, the way that we interact with our phones can actually not give us enough time for the kind of space that we need for character formation and memory formation. And when we think about our spiritual life, we've just got to be honest about where we are with God and whether we've ended up in a place like Martha. Not because we're busy serving food for a meal, but just because our mind is elsewhere. Oh, what's happening on BBC Sport today? Oh, let me check Facebook. Oh, that's great, the photos. And this happens to me with the internet. You start looking at one thing, you start looking at a hundred other things. And suddenly I'm reading about Japanese techniques for making knives. I kid you not. Fascinating though, if you want to, I can tell you. And I don't know what you make of that point that I quoted earlier, that we're more busy than bad. Because one of the ways we could think about this is that actually when we think about what distracts us, we could start doing some deeper work and we could start looking at our hearts. When Jesus speaks to Martha, he says, I can see that you're distracted. He said, you're worried and upset about many things. Many things. Not just you're distracted and upset about what's happening here with the preparations. It's like Jesus can see her heart. I wonder what the Spirit revealed to him at that point about what was really going on in Martha's life. And I wonder what God would want to do for us. And one of the things that might get drawn up when God looks into our hearts is the idols that are there. And the idols is the biblical way of talking about anything that we put over and above God. And it'd be worth thinking about in 2024, what am I valuing? What am I choosing to consider? What am I setting my time upon? The former Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, said that your religion is what you do with your solitude. Your religion is what you do with your solitude. In other words, if you want to find out what you've set your heart upon, just think about what do you think about when there's nothing else going on? What do you do when there's no other voices talking to you? What do you do when you've got a moment alone? And I think that's a good quote, but here's the danger for the modern person and for me. When I've got my solitude, what do I do? I open my phone. And in that kind of environment, with all the things that might distract us, how are we gonna become people who are attentive to God's voice? How are we gonna listen to him? How are we gonna kind of people that, when we open the Bible, we're present enough to hear God speak. How are we going to become the kind of people that when we're walking along, we're just, there's enough space in us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as God directs us. Go and talk to that person, you know, whatever it would be. God's calling you in 2024 to a closer walk with him.
There's a great line in Bruce Almighty, which is a film I haven't seen for ages, but in Bruce Almighty, God is talking to Bruce, who's Jim Carrey, and he says, come, take a closer walk with me. Except it's Morgan Freeman, so it sounds really like serious. Come, take a closer walk with me. And I think God wants to say the same thing to us in 2024. Take a closer walk. Come and hear my voice. Come and learn my ways. Come and walk in step with my Holy Spirit. And so what we need to do, here's the first practical thing, is just be ruthlessly honest and ruthlessly identify what might be causing us to be distracted from God. If you can think about your own life and you can think, yeah, I am actually a bit more like Martha than I am like Mary. You've just got to think about your own life. Think about your diary. Think about how you spend your time. And not just think about, you know, what do you do when you're trying to intentionally spend time with God? Or what do you like when you come to church? That's something to notice. I noticed when I was in London, I got into this very bad habit of checking my phone during sermons. And that particularly came because I'm working for the church and I'm thinking, well, I'm at work and I'm, I'm, not, I'm sort of not in the headspace to get in the sermon. So I was checking my phone all the time. And then I suddenly realized I'm not listening to any sermons because what I'm doing when I'm in that space is different. I don't know what it would be for you, that's just an example. We need to ruthlessly identify what might be distracting us from God and just be really, really honest. Maybe sit down and have a think about it. You could do that this week. As you're thinking about 2024, you're thinking about those resolutions, maybe you've already written some resolutions down. Just start thinking, okay, but what would get in the way of me actually achieving them when it comes to my close walk with the Lord? And then the other thing we need to do, and this is simple to say and much harder to work out in person, particularly practically, but we need to choose to listen to God. There's an obvious point, but it comes straight from the passage. What does Jesus say of Mary? Talking to Martha, Martha, don't worry. Martha, Martha. What does he say? Mary has chosen what is better and it won't be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better. So as well as ruthlessly, honestly identifying what might be distracting us, admitting it to someone else, you know, admitting your screen time to the congregation, we need to choose to listen to God. Choose the quiet time. Choose the prayer on the bus. And you might say to me, Tim, you know, it's all well and good you talking about that particularly if you've got little children or a busy family life, you might say, look, it's easy for you. You've got no kids. You're a professional Christian. You're a vicar. It's easy for you. You're paid to pray. Okay. I know how it is. You know, I'm paid to be holy. (laughs) And you're all good for nothing, so. (laughs) You might say it's easy, Tim. Look, when I've seen, you know, when I see parents with little kids, I see what it's like because you can be having a conversation with a parent and then the kid comes in and, you know, the parents got to give their attention to the child for a second. It's hard to have a conversation like that. If that's where you're at, if you were a parent listening to this maybe on the live stream, that's okay. That's the stage of life you're in. But we've still got to choose wherever you're at to listen to God. So this year in 2024, choose to listen to the voice of the Lord. Choose to try to tune in to his presence. God is with you. His Holy Spirit is living in you. 
the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. You are a child of God. You're one of his sheep. And what does Jesus say of his sheep? He says, my sheep know my voice. That's who God is. That's who you are to him. Choose to listen to him. And this is all made possible, and let's remind ourselves of this, by what God has done for us. And I think we have to come to this place as we think about 2024, an attentive life with God. We've just got to remind ourselves of his grace. What does God say to Martha? What does Jesus say to Martha? Martha comes to him. Don't you see, Lord, it's so unfair. Here I am trying to serve you. I'm trying to serve, and yet my sister isn't helping And Jesus says of her, Jesus says of Mary, she's chosen the better thing. But he says to her, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. And when God says your name twice, you know that he's really speaking to you and speaking to you in love. We can actually see God speaking to people using their name twice all across scripture. So God speaks to Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. God speaks to Moses, Moses, Moses. God speaks to Saul, Saul, Saul. In the New Testament, Jesus will speak to Simon, Simon, Simon. In our passage, Martha, Martha. And yet Jesus, the one who says, Martha, Martha, is the one who would cry out to God himself. What does he say on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, so that you can cry out to him. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that salvation comes through grace, doesn't it? If you compare Mary and Martha, I think Mary's got it right because she understands that she just needs to be close to God. She needs a close relationship with him. We aren't saved by our doing, are we? We aren't saved by our works. We aren't saved by our busyness. The Lord doesn't need your busyness. He doesn't need mine. It doesn't help him. Somehow in his infinite grace, he wants us, but he doesn't need us. And he didn't need our goodness, but he gave his only good son for us. And today, the one who cried, my God, my God, on the cross as he gave his life for you, I just wonder if he wants to say your name to you today in love. Tim, Tim, Andrew, Andrew, Jan, Jan. 2024, choose the good thing. Choose the better thing. Don't be distracted. Don't settle for a shallow walk with me. Don't settle for a walk where you can't hear my voice, you don't know what I'm saying, you don't know what to do in your decisions. Choose me. Choose me. And choose my way of life and understand my grace. Why don't we pray together? The band are going to come and join me now. Let's pray. Thank you that you love us, Lord. We can hear the tenderness in your voice when you spoke to Martha. And thank you that there's tenderness in your voice when you speak to us. 
And Lord, we're sorry for where we get distracted from you. We're sorry for where our lives are so busy that there's not very much room for you. Lord, we're sorry for where our attention and ultimately our hearts is set on something other than you. But we say, Lord, we want to be people who listen to your voice. We want to be people who sit at your feet, who welcome the guest of honour. So, Lord, we're praying that you'd help us. And now, Lord, as we pray together, as we worship, we just pray that you'd be leading a spirit, that you'd be helping us respond, speaking to us, helping us speak to you. Amen.